G-Force, a Kaiju podcast. Hello, this is Nick from G-Force, a Kaiju podcast, and you're listening to the preview for G-Force season two. Now, if you listened to us last season, you'll know that over the course of a big portion of the season, we covered the entirety of the Zone Fighter series. This season, we'll be taking an extensive look at the 90s era of American Godzilla content. First, we'll be discussing Godzilla 94, the graphic novel adaption of the script for TriStar's scrapped first attempt at their Godzilla movie. After that, we will of course be looking at 1998's Godzilla, the film that we did get in Godzilla 94's place. In the third episode of the season, we will be discussing the treatment for the scrapped sequel to Godzilla 1998. Then after that, we will embark on a long journey where we will be watching and reviewing all of Godzilla the series. Here's a clip from that very first episode where we talked about Godzilla 94. Overall, I think Godzilla in this is cool. Like, he's just, you know, he's just Godzilla, <laughs> for the most part. And I enjoy the military fight in San Francisco. I think that would have been probably an extremely cool scene had the film actually been made. And I think he's cool in the fight at the end and everything, but I, I do not like the origin. <laughs> this is part of why I would take 98 being the film we got over this one because having Godzilla be created by an ancient alien race rather than being like a creature irradiated by the atomic bomb, in my opinion, is more of a disrespectful move to the core of Godzilla than a lot of what was in 98, in my opinion. I realize not everyone's going to feel that way, and that's fine. And so I'd rather have a movie that keeps Godzilla's nuclear origins intact that happens to also be a bad movie that people are going to forget about once things like Godzilla 2014 and the rest of the MonsterVerse comes out, uh, as opposed to a movie that probably would have been a lot more memorable, more successful, more well-reviewed, that disrespects Godzilla's origins in this way. And who knows if we would get movies like, like Godzilla 2014 and everything we've gotten since, you know, like they might have just made a bunch of sequels to this. Because like, I, I feel like if this had been the movie that had been made and people liked it a lot more, then suddenly it's embedded into the cultural consciousness over here that Godzilla is created by an ancient alien race to fight other alien monsters, you know? And I just, uh, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't want people thinking that that's what Godzilla is. I just find that more harmful than, again, a crappy movie that everyone's going to forget about once other American Godzilla movies come out, you know? But that's just me. I don't know how you guys feel about it. That's my probably very extreme view on that. I mean, you make a very compelling argument. I will get to what I think of the origin, you know, in a moment. But I will admit in the what would have followed up sense of it, I had not considered that, but I think that you are right. I, I don't think that this movie would have been super popular. I don't necessarily think it would have gotten a sequel. But I feel like it would have been good enough. It would have cleared the bar not triggered 
a Godzilla 2000 and a Millennium series, and quite possibly not triggered a MonsterVerse, or at least not for another decade or so when people were looking for something to reboot, because it wouldn't have been seen as a failing that both Japanese studios immediately and American studios a little later tried to redress and fix and restore the honor of. It just would have been a mediocre blockbuster that no one cared to follow up and no one cared to do anything with, but no one needed to fix. So no one really had any burning desire to do anything with it. You know what I mean? It's like, instead of being an embarrassment that compelled people to action, it feels like it would have scratched the itch just enough for everyone to not care for another 20 years. And so, yeah, in that sense, I completely get what you're saying, that if it had been successful, that idea would have been embedded in the public consciousness. Now, you know, me, I say a Godzilla that runs away from the military and can be killed by missiles is also a harmful thing to have embedded in the public consciousness, but I agree that it, that was in a much more forgettable movie. So the harm was negated by <laughs> no one remembers exactly. it. Yeah. <laughs> so that is a very, a very cogent, a very compelling, and a very insightful argument that I don't think I ever would have thought of approaching this from. And now here's a clip from the second episode where we discuss Godzilla 1998. I'm not going to be as positive for the rest of this episode, probably, but I think, I think it was actually a really clever um, idea to use French Polynesian testing as like the sort of genesis of Godzilla. Because that was a real thing going on in the 90s. The French were testing nuclear weapons. They nuke the heck out of those islands. It's ridiculous when you look it up. Yeah. And they were in, they were in violation of a bunch of treaties. I think the world was like really mad at them. And like, so yeah, this was a real thing that happened. And so, you know, if a Godzilla was created in the 90s, this is a great way to kind of do it because it's really real. Um, so I think that was, I think that was smart on their, on their part. Devlin stated in some of the early drafts of the script written by others, they had Godzilla being an alien planted here. What Japan had originally come up with regarding nuclear radiation, you can't abandon that. It's too important to what Godzilla is all about. And that seems strange to me because they seem to have some reverence for the nuclear themes in mind. It just doesn't come through in the film at all. Like, Nick pays a little lip service to it with Audrey in the tent, but the extent of nuclear energy's role in the film is France successfully trying to cover up its involvement with it. Like, if anything, the nuclear testing here was couched as something the nominal good guys did and shouldn't be held accountable for. And in fact, our heroes are helping them not to be held accountable, and any anti-nuclear themes are just so faint as to be undetectable. Like, I found out in researching this, between 1966 and 1996, in a 30-year span, the French tested over 193 atomic bombs in two Pacific atolls, leading to an enormous radioactive fallout, increased cancer rates on nearby inhabited islands, and massive protests that shut them down. I find that absolutely horrifying! I had no idea that many atomic bombs had been detonated in all of history, much less by one country. And like the Lucky Dragon there were innocent casualties. But I did not learn this from watching the movie. Maybe if the film had done anything to call that out, maybe compare New York to those islands with innocent bystanders being harmed by the fallout of absurd and excessive testing. But no, even though the source material 
is ripe for exploring those same themes from the 1954 original, nothing is done with it except for a very brief conversation about affecting change from within the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, which is about as much thought as Godzilla versus Space Godzilla gave to pollution at the end. Like, it's crazy. You're right that the source material is so ripe for talking about the nuclear stuff and making the monster a bomb and calling this out, but they don't. If anything, they're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> some mistakes were made, but you'll help us cover it up, right? I'm I'm Jean Reno, Jean Reno, Jean Reno, however we're going to say it. And I think it's okay. I love my country, so it's fine, right? It's fine. I'm going to smash about eight cameras. We'll keep it covered up. We're fine. And that's it. We hope you enjoyed those clips. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you in two weeks whenever we start season two of G-Force, a kaiju podcast.